When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. And as you can, as you can tell, that John, sound, that sound, that sound, right there. Uh-huh. You, there's no mistake that in that. There's yeah. no mistake in that, John. No in that John, tell me, you're an that expert. Sound. Yes. You've yes. got a good uh-huh. ear. Yes, what absolutely. kind of audience is that? That's a Friday audience. That's exactly what that is. Up my jumper cables to that right there. Yeah, now. Hook it up. Happy Friday, everybody. And it's not just any Friday. Tonight is actually the two year anniversary of the pandemic. Two years, it's true. Two years is the cotton anniversary. Your gift is all those cloth masks that we now know are completely ineffective. <laughs> the World Health Organization, this is true, officially declared COVID a pandemic on March 11th, 2020. Remember those early lockdown days? Me neither, but (laughs) let's try in our beloved once-running segment... The Late Show's rockin' two-year coronavirus pandemiversary! A far look back! I'm gonna get Omicrunked! Back at the start of all of this, not everyone was taking COVID seriously. Case in point, Utah Jazz Center Rudy Gobert seen here after David Blaine stole his watch. (laughs) At a press conference in March of 2020, Rudy made fun of pandemic precautions when just days before he tested positive, he stood to leave, turned back, and jokingly touched every microphone on the table. That clip has not aged well. (laughs) But after two years of COVID, neither have I. When the pandemic was officially declared, all of the New York late-night hosts got together and we made a detailed plan that immediately got flushed down the toilet. (laughs) Tell them what happened, Steve. Let me explain what's going on. Uh, All of the New York City late-night shows were planning to go without audiences starting on Monday. We announced that last night, actually. And uh, that changed because just a few hours ago we got some surprising news. We would be going without an audience starting tonight. This is absolutely true. We're just kind of winging. This is rehearsal right now. That's right. Our live studio audience was gathered outside, and they were all sent home. Well, not the tourists. They went to go touch stuff at the M&M store. (laughs) Now, because that night we didn't do a show, we just taped our rehearsal. That day's audience was just two dozen staff members scattered throughout the seats. And compared to the storage room we taped in for the next 15 months, that sounded like a sold-out crowd at the Garden. Now, days later, folks across the country were told to shelter in place, and and for some of us, that place was the tub. People all over America have hunkered down in their own houses to ride out the coronavirus. The CDC is saying this might go on for the next eight weeks, so get comfortable. Eight weeks. Eight weeks. Okay. 
eight weeks was a little off. <laughs> also, that was false advertising for how much bathing I'd do during the pandemic. <laughs> Those early first few months were tough. It was almost two years ago today when we got hit with a global toilet paper shortage. It may not have been our number one problem, but it was definitely number two. <laughs> well, thank you, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe. With TP shelves empty, people started scrambling for an alternative. And in March of 2020, U.S. searches for bidet mm, reached yeah. an all-time high. Of course, a search for bidet is always followed by searches for how do I dry off my butt without toilet paper? <laughs> and are terry cloth draperies a thing? <laughs> and there were, there were so many moments of hopeful humanity during the lockdown, like quarantining Italians who serenaded each other from their balconies. <laughs> And here in America, we did the same. I'm sorry, what's that? I'm sorry, I'm being told that we actually banged pots and pans together <laughs> at 7 o'clock for nurses? Did we... Hold on. Did we do anything else for them? No, just the banging? <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> then a bunch of other stuff happened. Vaccines, new president, murderous anti-democratic rampage on our capital, yada, 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 the Batman. But <laughs> the biggest takeaway from our two years of pandemic, the one common experience that unites us as Americans, we all got a little pudgy. But now 61% of Americans are trying to break unhealthy eating habits that arose during the pandemic. Good luck with that. <laughs> Meanwhile, the other 39% are using their treadmill as a conveyor belt to funnel thin mints directly into our mouths. <laughs> Just set it on eight. Just set it on eight. Incline, incline. And people aren't the only ones feeling the weight of the past two years. Apparently, pets have also put on pandemic pounds. And that means all pets. We're talking thick kitties, chonky doggies, even plump pet snakes. What are they feeding that thing? And has anyone seen our fat dog lately? Of course, no one can say what the next years will bring pandemic-wise, but at least we've learned not to say what I said on last year's anniversary. That does it for our one-year anniversary special. Tune in next year when I hope we have nothing to commemorate. Way to go, Pat Steven. <laughs> oh, and, uh, hot tip, don't get that J-Lo Hearts A-Rod tattoo. <laughs> of course, it's not just COVID that's bad for you. In other health news, a new study found that exposure to leaded gasoline lowered the IQ of about half the population of the United States, which explains the popularity of the mass singer. <laughs> for our younger viewers, for our younger viewers who may not understand this new story, back in the day, gasoline used to have lead in it. When I was a kid, after he filled the car, Dad used to let us lick the nozzle. <laughs> the details are... Well, they're upsetting. In total... Childhood lead exposure cost America an estimated 824 million IQ points, or 2.6 points per person on average. Okay, that's on average, of course. Some more, some less. The majority of the IQ lost were concentrated in these two. <laughs> but... Sure. Sure. 
But according to the study, this is only really a problem for people born before 1996, the year the U.S. banned gas containing lead. Okay. But uh, I was born before 1996. <laughs> Are they saying that exposure to lead made me less smart? That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> In other news, exposure to leaded gasoline lowered the IQ of about half the population of the United States. Well, that explains the popularity of the mass singer. Anyway, welcome to The Late Show. I'm Stephen Colbert. We've got a great show for you today. My guests are Amy Bryant and comedian Alex Edelman. Up next, NFT art heists are on the rise. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm ready for spring, man. I'm ready for spring to get here. I've had it with winter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm ready yeah. for spring to spring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the sparkles around the neck, man. Oh, yeah. You gotta yeah. glisten, shine yeah. and glisten like the star you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Tonight, uh, my friend, uh, we have uh, the lovely, the talented, the wonderful A.D. Bryant from SNL is gonna be yeah. here. Right? Hey! Such a lovely person. Such a lovely person. No, folks, uh, I love to stay on top of all the latest tech trends. It's one way to avoid my children making fun of me. And for a while now, one of the hottest tech trends has been NFTs, or non-fungible tokens. It's hard to believe that in just one year, we've gone from having no idea what they are to having no idea why they are. Now, from what I understand, NFTs are digital assets that you can buy and your ownership is encoded in a blockchain-encrypted proof of purchase. Then I think you collect enough proof of purchases, you cut them out, send them to Kellogg's, and they'll mail you a cereal bowl shaped like a baseball cap. But understand them. Understand them or not, NFTs have become the hottest commodity in the art world. For instance... This NFT of a bored ape in a propeller beanie recently sold for $3.4 million because this is what art collectors want. Sorry, Van Gogh. <laughs> Maybe your next self-portrait should accessorize. <laughs> and that is just one of the multi-million dollar NFTs. There was this one that sold for $11.8 million. This one bought by a group of investors for over $90 million, and this animated one bought for $3.8 million, titled, Some Ass <laughs> Named, of course, for whoever bought it. <laughs> With so much money in the NFT market, it's no surprise that it's attracted a new generation of art thieves. Recently, scammers stole $1.7 million worth of NFTs. And with NFT theft on the rise, it's only a matter of time until Hollywood turns it into a blockbuster heist movie. And that matter of time is now. Ladies and gentlemen, you probably know why I brought you here. You're the Picassos of stealing Picassos, each with a unique skill. Demolitions, safe cracking, disguise, 
lady who sneaks under lasers, and K-pop star to bulk up our international box office. But stealing paintings is a thing of the past. There's no money in Monet. No dough in Van Gogh. What the f These days, the real money is on the internet. We are going to steal the world's most valuable NFT. Non-fungible tokens, digital graphics locked behind high-security cryptography. So like an expensive picture on the computer? Yeah, kinda. So it's like a gift you have to pay for. Basically. Like a JPEG, anyone can look at whenever they want, but one person pays for it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you to the internet's most valuable masterpiece. Fart paper. So, where do we come in? Demolition, safecracker, Google what the blockchain is. Disguise, dress up like a high society NFT collector. Already done. Beautiful. K-pop, laser acrobat. Go listen to some podcasts about crypto. Meet your newest team member, the world's top NFT forger. Right click, copy, and paste. Done. My gosh, it's an exact copy. 280 mil for one little picture, and it's about to be ours. I'll be over here destroying these Rembrandts. Any last questions? Yeah, I guess like, what does this all mean? We just, I mean, what does it say about us as a society? And what about the environmental costs? The energy consumption? All right, stop right there. Art has always held a tenuous position between active subversion and status symbol collected by those who profit from the very status quo the art purports to subvert. I hate this! It's like having to learn a metaverse all over again. Also, if you want to fart beaver, you can buy different hats and get to go to a party DJ'd by PewDiePie. All right, everybody stay calm, don't think too much, and we can each walk out of here with millions. Sorry. Damn it, bubble burst, it's all worthless now. Ugh. Wait, wait, hey, hey, nobody leave, wait, come back. Let me tell you all about Dogecoin. Coming up, 80 Brian. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, you are in for such a treat. Because my guest tonight is an actress and comedian you know from Shrill, I Feel Pretty, and Saturday Night Live. Please welcome to The Late Show, Amy Bryant. See ya. Oh, so nice to be seen. I, I have very, very happy feelings when I see you because the last time I saw you, wow, this, this is what happened, Jim. And the Emmy for Variety Special Live goes to Stephen Colbert's Election Night 2020. <laughs>
Thank you. Uh, wow. I haven't met some of these people before. I hope that was any way near as fun for you as it was for me, because I will always think of you fondly now. Oh, wow. I wish I brought you anything tonight. I didn't. Um, no, I mean, it, it is really fun, because you know you're giving someone something that they maybe are excited to have. It's great to present, yeah, because you're, you're always going to be a happy memory. Totally, but it is, it's also, I'm like so worried about ruining someone's special moment. By, I was scared I was going to be like, Stepan Kopit or whatever, like, you know? Still an honor, still an honor. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Good, I'm glad. Now, we have something in common. We both started out at Second City. Yeah. In Chicago. What were your... Yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Crowd most of, of the, alums. Most, most of the audience is from Chicago. Wow. Mostly I.O. people, but still. <laughs> what, what was your experience like there? Because everybody has their own Second City experience. It's been around for 60-plus years yeah. now. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know about you, but for me, it was like such heavy partying, I should have died. Um, <laughs> it's, honest, it's amazing I'm not dead. Um, mm. And, and par partially because it was just like a pattern of like, you know, you would do your shows on the stage, and then you would go out to a bar, and Because you also do an improv set really late. Yes, yeah, so late. And then you're so jacked up from improv. So jacked from improv. What? The adrenaline well, of, of it. of course, but it's humiliating to admit to cool people. <laughs> and then, you know, you're jacked, and then you're like, well, I'm gonna go to the bar and celebrate how I played a lady in a big hat tonight, or whatever. <laughs> and, and then... By, by the time it's like four o'clock in the morning, you're like, well, we gotta go out to eat. <laughs> you know? Sure, wiener circle. Of course. <laughs> and then basically, you're doing that every day, which yeah. is not okay. And I, I've tried to like return and go back. Like I did a charity show and I went back with some other old alums. And with the young kids who are still up exactly, on stage there? Exactly, and you go, I, I've tried to go to the bars with them. Last time, I drank so much that I blacked out. Wow. Scary. Yeah. Then yeah. I woke up in my hotel and I realized, oh, I must have seen the tamale man because I was barfing up tamales. <laughs> and how amazing. Mm -hmm. I was like a little drunk detective, you know? Sure, sure. Thank you. Thank you for being so open and vulnerable with this right well, now. Well, I love to be beautiful on camera. <laughs> I'm known for this. No, that's where Second City people are known <laughs> yes. for their dignity above all else. <laughs> Absolute. Now, I understand you also did something that happened after I left there. I was in Turco for many years, but we didn't have the cruises back then. Oh, yeah. Y'all would do the Second City cruise. What, what would happen then? You, they'd, they'd load you onto a carnival cruise boat or something, right? <laughs> well, it was Norwegian. We didn't oh. quite make it up to carnival. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it, basically, it was a four-month contract. So you live on the boat for, for four, four months? months? Yeah. And then you do... Is that a punishment to be on a boat for four months? Or is that, well, oh, it's great. Was it like, yay, or...? I mean, I definitely was in a room with no windows that was about two feet wide. <laughs> but I was just being paid. <laughs> so for me, I was like, this rocks. Um, of course, I forgot, yeah, when you're young, you start anything, because they kept you hungry there. Totally, yeah. yeah. But then, you know, I guess, like, we didn't have much to do. We just did a couple shows during the week. And... Mm. And then they did have us teach workshops. So we would like teach improv to kids. And I wasn't very good at that. So I always tried to teach the like history of Second City workshop. And it was mostly showing people on the boat clips of you. 
From Second City? Yes. Like the show? Like old Second City clips of you singing with like Paul Dinello and your old Second City pals. Those videos are terrible. The quality's not good. And then you put them in a ballroom on a ship, which is, and people are going, what's going on? Um, but then for the rest of the week, people would be like, so you know him? And I would say, no, I live on the ship, you know? I, I, I don't know. I don't, but now I think it's good because if they were ever to take me to court or something, I can be like, well, I do. I kind of know him now. Mm -hmm. you live, how long did you live in Chicago? Seven years. What, what years were that, by the way? Well, we're talking 2005 mm -hmm. plus to seven. Sure. So to, around. I'm not asking. <laughs> That's too high. Don't. We'll do the rest. We'll have a team I, well, do the rest of that work. I, I got hired to SNL in 2012. Okay, so yeah. So around there. So uh, that my old uh, restaurant that I worked at for five years was still there. Scusi, you ever go to Scusi? That's where I waited tables. No, what no? is Scusi? Scusi was an Italian restaurant with a giant tomato out front. It was really <laughs> it was quite delicious. Did you? A lot of people wait. Did you wait? I should have been waiting tables, but instead I was working at a barber shop, just answering phones and folding towels, sweeping up hair. So much that, hair. How, how, I can't imagine that pays very well. No, I wouldn't say that it did. No, um, no, but, but I, I don't know. I guess it, they were pretty flexible with our hours. So when I would say, I can only work three hours because I need to get in a van to go to Indiana to perform improv for people eating chicken tenders, they would say, sure. We have to take a quick break, uh, but when we come back, I'll ask Aidy about how she got her job at Saturday Night Live. Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game, headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy. We're back with uh, A.D. Bryant. You're in your 10th season at SNL. Yeah. And you got hired. You got hired when you were 25. You got hired when you were 25. Yes. I actually auditioned for the first time when I was 25. Wow. And, and did not get hired. And, oh. and I'm not bitter. But I was curious, what was your first meeting with Lauren like? Well, I actually met him at Second City for the first time. And mm. he, uh, it's very weird, you know, you write your show and you perform your show at Second yeah. City. So the opening night of our, sh our my second show main I ever did there. there yeah. uh, no, well, I never made it to main stage, but thank you for hurting me here. <laughs> no. It's gonna I, work out, it's gonna work out for you. I think you. I'll be all right. It's gonna work out for you. They said I wasn't main material. No, um, I was on the ETC stage, Quality. which I love. Quality, sure. Um, and so it was opening night of our big show and they were like, okay, congrats everyone, opening night of your show. FYI, Lorne Michaels and all the SNL producers are in the audience. And I was like, oh, yeah, totally. Um, and so then we did the show and then afterwards he came backstage and we were kind of chit-chatting and mm -hmm. he was super nice, met everyone. And um, he was like, oh, it's your opening night. And we had done a preview for the press and he was like, how are the reviews? And I was like, I'm too scared to read them. And he was like, I don't read them either. So that was like my first little moment with sure. him. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, you're now starring in uh, a show called Human Resources. Yes. Which is a spinoff of the great show Big Mouth. Yes. Okay. That's the right. animated Netflix show about going through puberty. What, what's the new show about, and are, are there hormone monsters in this show? Yes. So on Big Mouth, the hormone monsters kind of help these children navigate puberty. And so, uh, you know, Human Resources is basically about the lives of those hormone monsters and sort of their corporate workplace, you know? Uh, and so... It's an office comedy, but with hormone monsters. That's right. And so, there's a lot of nasty talk in the office. Um, mm -hmm. And there's all kind, you know, there's like an anxiety mosquito. I play a love bug, which is kind of nice. Um, and yeah, we all kind of work together to help adult problems as opposed to the kid problems on Big Mouth. Have you ever worked in an office? Well, weirdly, SNL was my first office job because it is like a, it's, it's Yeah, 30 more, Rock is an office building. Well, and they have desks and computers. <laughs> I have a badge I swipe. Sure. I take HR classes there. Respectful workplace training. No, I think they call them HR classes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, you're sure, right. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that's, that was my first real office job, because otherwise I was sweeping hair in the barbershop. What, what's going on in this clip here, Aidy? Well, I think in this clip, my character is, um, I would call her sort of a drunk problem mess. Um, and so... The love bug. <laughs> that's right. Mm -hmm. But she's just started uh, working and trying to help people, so she's kind of talking to her boss about how she needs to focus. Jim? Your notes are crap. You spend all your time doing imitations. Uh, impressions. Taking surveys. But everyone loves my would you rather board. It makes them want to come to work. Work should make people want to come to work. Yeah, but it doesn't. Let me ask you something. Do you even want to be a professional love bug? I guess, but honestly, as long as I can still afford my nightly pizza burrito with my friends, it's all Gucci, Stanley Tucci. Hey, Emmy, shut up. What we do here is important. It's not some job that exists just to pay for whatever a pizza burrito is. Sonia, pizza burritos are so good. Oh my God, I don't care. I like a pizza burrito. <laughs> I mean, come on. Hey, it was lovely to have you on. Nice so to nice see to you again. Here. More Late Show Poncho after this. Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney, the voice of Korra on The Legend of Korra. And me, Dante Bosco, the voice of Zuko on The Last Airbender and General Iroh on The Legend of Korra. Each week, we'll recap and discuss another episode of The Last Airbender. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but... Amazing guests stop by from creators to cast to super fans to chat all things Avatarverse. Are we saying that this is possible in the Avatar universe? Varney, we gotta spread the word. Now fans can also check out our weekly video pods too by subscribing to the official Avatar YouTube channel. That's a lot of fire, isn't it? That's right, we're on video this season, everybody. So whether you're a super fan with encyclopedic knowledge or you're brand new to this incredible world, it's Fire Nation time, Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Brave the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Being on, uh, being on the, uh, the TV here, 
There's so many questions people want to ask me. Things like, where were you on the night of February 19th? And could you come down to the station with us, please? <laughs> the thing is, every night before the show, I do give members of my studio audience here a chance to get to know me by asking anything they want and answering only what I feel like. So... <laughs> Every so often, what we do is we edit those questions and answers together, and we share them with you, and tonight is one of those offens. <laughs> uh, yes, ma'am, right there in the third row. I get to know you a little bit. Oh, OK, sure, I, I wouldn't mind that either. My name's Steven. What's your name? <laughs> What's the worst and the best purchase you've ever made? Uh... I, I like boats. And that's both the worst and the best purchase you can make. I have a small fishing boat, and uh, it makes me so happy when I'm on it. I get offshore about 10 miles, and I don't have a care in the world. It's like better than any drug. The tug, I love to fish, and as we say, the tug is the drug. The tug of that fish, that's what I really like. What's going on over there? What's going on? Do you need me? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Like, what, 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 what sort of things do people purchase? What? Evie's engagement ring. That was okay. <laughs> I saw you first right over there at the corner of my eye. Okay. Hello. Do I identify as a messy bitch? Yes, and it takes one to no one. <laughs> uh, yes, right back there. Here's the strange thing. I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> yes, ma'am, right there. How can I help you? Well... <laughs> I want to point out... I want to point out somebody raised you right. You stood up to ask your question. <laughs> what, uh, what, how can I help you, ma'am? Oh. And I figured, you know, all these people would love to have a Stephen Colbert doll. And <laughs> is, this a, is this an inflatable doll? <laughs> this, this is my latest sample, and I want to have your permission to make a Stephen Colbert doll. Let me so see this. Everybody... This is my favorite Christmas present of all time. <laughs> Thank you. Could I give you my name and address? Of course you can. Of course you can. And they say comedians don't get groupies. Uh, yes, right there. Oh. I asked Obama. I asked Obama if aliens were real. What did he say? What did he say? He said he wouldn't answer the question. I said, well, that's a yes. <laughs> I was just thinking about that the other day. Was it just like, wasn't it just like a year ago that we got the report and, and then yes. the people, like members, like the secretary of the Navy or something went on, on 60 Minutes and said, yeah, it's real. And we're all just going on with our lives. I know, it's crazy. How are we just going on with our lives 
when we know that there are real UFOs out there. I think they're softening up the beach. They're just like, okay, they handled the video and the proof pretty well. Now let's let them know that there are aliens because they're afraid we're going to freak out. Yeah, yeah. Would you freak out? Would you freak out if you found out there were aliens? I freak out and then I try to meet them. <laughs> to increase the freak or defreak it? Just to get to know them better, you know? Yeah. Yeah, just say to them, like, I want to get to know you, Mr. Alien. What's the best purchase and the worst purchase you've ever made? Coming up, comedian Alex Edelman. Welcome back, everybody. My next guest is a comedian, writer, and actor. His first off-Broadway show just for us is a New York Times critic's pick. Please welcome Alex Edelman. Hello! My God! Wow. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I want to talk about my family a little, and then I'll uh, leave you alone. Uh, I want to talk about my, my dad. My dad's a real smart guy. My dad teaches at MIT. Uh, he's a cardiologist at a hospital in Boston called Brigham's. He designs artificial hearts. And because of the artificial heart design, in 2010, he almost won the Nobel Prize for medicine. Yeah. And if you talk to my mom, you'd think she's married to the dumbest piece of trash who's ever lived. You'd walk out of a conversation with Cheryl Edelman and you'd be like, I don't know much about that lady, but her husband, <laughs> illiterate. <laughs> I was home, I was home at the start of the pandemic and out of nowhere, we're eating dinner. My dad goes, Alex? I'm like, yeah, dad. He said, do you want to see an artificial heart? Yes, please. <laughs> and for a second, I was afraid he's gonna be like, look. <laughs> but he went, uh, okay, this is the kind of weirdo he is, though. He goes, okay, I'll go out to the car. <laughs> My dad's just got a trunk full of hearts. Like the saddest country music song of all time. Uh, the man has a trunk full of hearts, and he goes out, and he goes out to the car, and he gets this cardboard box out of the trunk. I watch him through the window, and he comes back in with the box, and he reaches in, and he pulls out this heart, and it's gorgeous. It's chrome, it's glass, it's plastic. It looks like a heart. And I went, Dad, this is so cool. And my mom, without looking up from her People magazine, just went, took him long enough. He's been working on that crap for like 30 years. <laughs> and I said, yeah, mom, but it's pretty cool, right? Because it's an artificial heart. And she just went, I grew your heart inside me in nine freaking months. <laughs> Like, Dad, do you need this? Because apparently the lady at the end of the table was born without one. <laughs> Is that why you make them? You're just looking for a hug at some points? <laughs> Every wife thinks their husband is the dumbest piece of trash who's ever lived. It doesn't matter who they are. Like, you ever see Michelle Obama interviewed about Barack? The interviewer was like, he's amazing. And she's like, he's fine. Nothing my dad, my dad could be Jesus turning water into wine and my mom be like, yeah, but it's a rosé, isn't it? <laughs> it's a rosé. 
I went, what, we went to this museum right before I left. Uh, I went to this museum in Boston, and uh, my dad parked too far away from the museum. And every parking spot we passed that was open between there and the museum, my mom put on a regional production of Macbeth. She was like, we could have parked here. We could have parked here. And all of a sudden she goes, Elazar, you're a moron. And I'm like, he's not a moron. He almost won the Nobel Prize. And without missing a beat, she just goes, not for parking. <laughs> the least interesting person in my family. My brother, AJ, this is true. My brother, this is not a joke. My brother, I mean, like, it is eventually. I'll make it into, but like, <laughs> AJ qualified for the 2018 Winter Olympics for Israel. And when people find that out, they, they ask me a ton of questions. They're like, your brother? Yes. Your brother? Yes. Your brother's an Olympian? Yeah. If you're wondering, turns out it's nurture. Your brother's an Olympian? Yeah, for Israel, I know. The Winter Olympics? Yes. Does Israel have a winter? Not really. He had a train in Germany in what must be the irony to end all ironies. <laughs> AJ's sport is called skeleton, which is like luge, but head, oh, I should do this because this is gonna be on TV. Um, what a hero, a tremendous accomplishment. We're so proud of him. Okay. <laughs> it, yeah, Real, oh, wonderful. Skeleton is the dumbest sport you could possibly conceive of. It's hardly, here's how dumb the sport is. I went to go see AJ qualify in Lake Placid because I was like, there's no way this clown is gonna make the Olympics. And this guy from Italy named Ciccini crashed at the top of the run and the sled went down without him and the sled on its own finished in fourth place. And I think about that like once a month because occasionally my brother will be like, it's a skill sport. And I'm like, it's gravity, AJ. <laughs> a corpse and some duct tape would meddle in this event. <laughs> the announcers, Bob Costas would be like, wow, Tom, look at Simmons keeping his shoulders so still in those corners. <laughs> also, I had no faith in him, none. No. Whenever they interview athlete families, they're always like, oh, we knew that Tom was special. We knew that he would win a million Super Bowls, become this transcendent quarter. There was none of that in my house for my Israeli Olympian. I made fun of AJ every single day. I called him the frozen chosen for like four years in a row. <laughs> and then my mom, and then my mom was like, stop calling him that. And this is gonna be too Jewish for a few of you, but I switched over to Shul Runnings and I am so proud of that. <laughs> We're at the Olympics. We're sitting in Pyeongchang in Korea. We're sitting on this bus from the Olympic Village to the venue. And this Israeli reporter's interviewing AJ. And he's like, Adam, AJ, what was it like when you found out you were going to be uh, an Olympian? And AJ just went, oh, Guri, no one was more surprised than I was. And out loud on Israeli television, I just went, that's not true. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for having me. This is what a dream. You can catch Alex's show just for us at the Soho Playhouse from March 14th through April 23rd. Go to justforusshow.com for tickets. That's it for The Late Show. Tune in next week when I'll be joined by Sandra Bullock, Anne Hathaway, and Michael Bublé. Good night.
This has been The Late Show Poncho with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Poncho, leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. Plus. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.